Hi, it's Katie. Treating you to another lunchtime concert out of my window in my apartment in Rome. Just taking a moment to remind you of different things you can do to support the show. Number one, if you're coming to Rome, let's not forget that Tiffany is an excellent tour guide. Find her at the pinesofrome.blogspot.com. There's a link on our website, thebittersweetlife.net, and you can have her personally drag you around the city. And you can consider supporting us. There's a donate button on our website. It helps us pay the bills and keep this podcast going without too much loss for us. And support us also by telling your friends. Spread the word. Thanks so much for spending all this time with us. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And as my time winds down, I'm not going to say it's ending. Talk, tick, God, it's ending. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I've started to contemplate, at least in my morning writings, what I'm going to remember in this incredibly memorable year. It's a year that I'll probably never live again. And so I keep thinking, what in the world am I going to remember about this year? What stands out? What do you think you're going to remember the most? Well, that's the question. I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> that's what I don't under. I know. I mean, I've been writing lists of things that I hope I remember. So I <laughs> guess if I go back and read those lists, then I'll remember them. But uh, what will actually stand out is impossible to say. That's why I've been thinking about it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess you never know when you're when you're living a moment what's going to stand out in your head afterwards yeah which brought up the whole topic of memory and what do you remember and what do you not remember and how how does that happen i tend to remember things that i have told people about you know if something funny happens to you on a trip and you tell somebody in a story and then maybe you tell somebody else Those things you're automatically going to remember because you've told them they're in your vocal memory, if that makes sense. So there's one thing that if you've something happened to you that you've told people about, like your like everything on this podcast, everything on this podcast, (laughs) but also, you know, like, for example, maybe your your situation in Spain, things like that. I mean, obviously, you would remember that anyway. (laughs) Listen to Assault episode part two. (laughs) But but that's one way. I know that there's this great line from Alice in Wonderland. Actually, I'm not going to quote it exactly because I don't want anyone writing it and saying, you know, you got the words slightly wrong. But it's either from Alice in Wonderland or Alice in the Looking Glass. I'm not sure. And the Red King or the King of Hearts says something like, I will remember this day for the rest of my life. And the Queen of Hearts or the Red Queen says, you won't, though, unless you make a memorandum of it. Hmm. Because, you know, you really, sometimes when you're living a moment, you really think, oh, I'm just, I'm, how, could I, how will I ever be able to forget this moment? But you know, you, we, we do forget things. And I know this for a fact by reading old journals. You know, you read an old journal and you, you, you're like, oh, my God, I cannot. I totally forgot that. How could I have forgotten that? And then you think, what about all of this stuff I never wrote down? Yeah. I spent years never writing anything down. Oh, me too. The last several. <laughs> the last several. I haven't journaled regularly i used to my first few years here i journaled not every day but at least once a week for about two years first years i was here and i haven't done it in ages gosh i'm sure there are things that i've forgotten see i've always thought that i wouldn't want to read back 
Oh, here's me in that dark place again. Oh, here's me in that light place. Oh, I'm making the mistake. Same mistakes over and over and over again. I'm caught in a loop. I Why would I want to read it? But I think good for you. I think it, um, first of all, it gives you perspective. Because maybe you're going through something difficult again. And you think, well, I got through that. That seemed so horrible. And it really wasn't that bad. So I think it can give you perspective. And That's true. I mean, I, I think that I have learned that this year in doing more writing. Because I was trying to do a lot of writing when I was here just to sort of identify what not just what I want to do with my life, but repeating patterns and the good and the bad. Identifying what you like about yourself and what you don't like. And by doing that, that's how you kind of work your way through and blah, blah, blah. None of which I'm going to want to read later. Have you ever selectively destroyed memories? How do you destroy a memory? The only example like a, I can... Is it like a horcrux thing? <laughs> like, do you need like a basilisk fang? <laughs> Shock therapy. No, um... I think you do the same thing as me, where you save letters from people. Oh, yeah. I save every letter that anyone's ever written me. Right. And Even, like, so birthday cards that just say happy birthday. Yeah. And so did I. And I got to a point where I thought I need to start weeding this out and maybe get rid of the cards where the person has just bought me a card and signed their name. Why am I still <laughs> holding on to that? I'm not going to go through and be like, happy seventh birthday, you know, and it just says Jill or something along the bottom. <laughs> What does this mean to me? So I was going through these boxes and boxes and boxes, and I, I just got to a series of letters from a friend of mine that I had in high school that were about a very difficult time that she was going through, that I was helping her through. And I was reading through these letters, and I remembered how dark it was, how sad that period was, how I felt like I was completely inept to help her. She was going through some serious depression and I was trying so hard to be like the person that could help her get her way out of it. And I just thought, I don't ever want to read this again. I know how it makes me feel and I know what we had been through in that period. And so rereading these letters of all this darkness, I just decided I don't want to ever see this again. Even if I selectively erase this from my memory, maybe it's a good thing to take out. And so I threw them all away. I kept the hopeful ones from her, but I got rid of all of the ones that were very, very dark and just let it go. And in the hopes that I will never remember those words and let it go. Yeah, I mean, you probably won't remember the words, but you probably, I mean, since you're telling me about this now and you said this happened in high school. Mm -hmm. I so mean, I remember the event, but now I don't, I don't have to go back into that really, really dark place with her again. That's true. Okay. Specifically, anyway. Mm -hmm. But I mean, also, though, some letters are very two way. The person, what they're writing has a lot to do with what you were going through, too. Whereas those letters may have been more one sided and all about her issue. So even if you did throw them away, you're not destroying your own memories. That's something I mean, even though, yes, you did go through it with her. So in a, in a sense, it was also your memory, but it was really her thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess you can't really destroy it, but... You can destroy the immediacy of it, I guess. Wasn't there a movie about this? I mean, wait, why do we save letters, really? Is it, is it because we imagine ourselves being 80 and sitting in a rocking chair somewhere with a giant box of a lifetime full of letters and we're going to be reading back and going, oh, yeah. and well, if you're a, a <laughs> no, if you're a megalomaniac like myself, no, just kidding, okay. I'm, I'm not. But, you know, if you have delusions of grandeur. Uh, you save letters because you think that someday historians are going to want to study them. 
Oh, that's an interesting thought. I'm sure that's why Suzanne and I, I mean, we, we, we wrote letters to each other. Suzanne is our, um, just for you listening at home, Suzanne is one of our mutual friends. Uh, when I got married, she and uh, and Katie here were my, my bridesmaids, and we've been friends for a very long time, the three of us. Author of the book Yoga Bitch yes. by Suzanne Morrison. Yes, excellent book. Anyway, so she and I began writing letters when we were 14, and we lived in the same city. So, I mean, <laughs> kind of pointless, but, you know, there was no email then, obviously, back in the early 90s. <laughs> and then, of course, we went our separate ways, university and beyond. And we still write letters, although not with near the same frequency as we used to. We both love to write. She's obviously a published writer. I'm a aspiring author, professional writer, but not a, uh, uh, not a published one yet. But the point is that I think somewhere deep down, we kind of had this idea. I mean, because we used to sit around reading the letters that George Sand and Alfred de Musset wrote to each other. Somewhere we thought, oh, maybe someday someone will be reading our letters. Maybe they'll be published into a book. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, well, I don't actually think that anymore. That was me like at 15, <laughs> thinking that I was going to become like the next Maria Callas or something. Yeah. But anyway, you know, I think that maybe that's part of it. You think your life is important and that other people might care someday. I don't know. But your life is important, whether it's or not important. people care someday. Well, it's important to me. But is it important enough to like save for posterity? Perhaps not. Maybe not. And if it's not, then did you save the letters for nothing? No, I, I know. Well, you know what we used to do? We used to get together after we had moved apart and we'd live, you know, many years apart from each other. We used to every so often get together and we used to read each other our letters. And we didn't used to maybe do all of them. We would select the best ones, but I would read her letters to her and she would read hers to me. And I remember reading this one and she just said, oh! <gasps> I totally forgot that that happened because it's not like a diary that you can go back and read whenever you want to. That letter has gone out into the void. You're never going to, probably never going to see it again. So that was really great. She's presently writing her second book and it's about some traveling that she did when she was about 19, I believe, 19 or 20. And we were hardcore correspondents at that time. We were writing quite a bit. And I sent her, I mean, I didn't send her the original letters because I won't part with them, but I did scan them and send her all of the letters she wrote me that year. Now, unfortunately, my bad, I sent them to her kind of late. I think she'd already finished a couple drafts of the book, so I don't know how helpful they were to her. But I can only imagine that in that sort of a situation, your letters would be very helpful if you're writing a memoir or if you're writing a, a novel that, you know, maybe is semi-autobiographical. That's true, but it requires the... You have your letters, the ones you wrote, and most of the time you don't have those letters. No, most of the time you don't. Well, that you, then journaling could also serve that purpose. Funny, because journals and letters are not, I mean, when you journal, if you're truly, not everybody's capable of this, but the idea is you're going to write the truth. You're going to write your real feelings. Some people don't. But, you know, that would be, that's... Oh, what if the historians come discover all your <laughs> real truth? Tiffany, please. Well, you know, I'm just saying, but go on, go on. I'm just saying, just as people lie to themselves about other things, you can also lie to yourself, not just in your thoughts, but also in your journal. It could happen. I'm sure I've done it before. But the point is, it should hopefully be more honest than a letter you might be writing. You might be changing the truth a little bit to make yourself sound better or who knows? It might not be completely accurate, whereas a journal hopefully will be as accurate as possible because it's only for your eyes. That's interesting. My my grandmother, who passed away this year or last year, I can't remember now, recently, um, 
she used to save letters in folders for each one of the grandchildren and for our, our parents. So when she died, we all inherited a folder of stuff we'd written. That's nice. Yeah, which is interesting. And interesting for my mom, too, because she had the letters of my mom when we were little, little kids writing when we're taking naps, writing about being a new parent and things like that. So a big revelation to see what you were passing on about being a new mother at that time. It's yeah, been very interesting. Really nice. I know my mom, when she was pregnant with my older sister, she wrote, and she was never a big journaler, I don't think at all, but she uh, she kept a journal when she was pregnant with my sister, and every day she wrote one sentence, or one or two sentences, and she gave it to my sister, and I think that's really nice. I would have I would have liked that, but of course I'm the second child, so you didn't get any. I didn't get any of that nice <laughs> stuff. My baby book has two pages filled out. You know how it is if you're a second child, <laughs> or a third in my case. Yes, that's another interesting thing too. Is uh, it stands to reason that you and me will have very different memories about this year. Even our time together probably will have very different memories or what will stand out will be different. And I always think it's odd when you said with Suzanne's letter, when you have a record or a memory of something that happened that I don't recall at all or vice versa. It's always strange when somebody else has a memory of you that you don't recall. Because that means that everybody that you encounter may have memories of you that you don't recall. Well, it's just scary to think about how much you might have forgotten about your own life. Well, and what impression somebody might have of you that you don't don't recall. Like, maybe you had a really bad day. And they remember, oh, when you did that terrible thing. And you don't recall at all. (laughs) Why Why don't they like me? Oh, God, that is scary. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to bring that up. But <laughs> <laughs> but it does, I, I've always wondered why the brain picks up certain things, why those are the memories. For instance, people always say that your first memory as a kid is traumatic, that the kid remembers something that happened traumatically as the first I think, memory. I think I do. I think I remember my sister um, throwing snow in my face. See? <laughs> and as a parent, when you're trying to give, like, a nice upbringing for a child of course we're not parents so we can't really say but assuming we try to make create a nice upbringing isn't it a little sad that the first imprint of memory would be something that's traumatic well i mean maybe it's just because a traumatic thing stands out you know hopefully if it's a happy childhood that's going to be so different from all the other nice happy days you know you're more likely to remember something out of the ordinary see i'm just trying to put a positive spin on it i know i like how you do that but but would you say that there's a certain type of memory, besides the stories that you tell, is there certain types of memories that you hold on to better? Humiliation. Because I I mean, I remember my most embarrassing moment. You know, everyone has their most embarrassing moments. You get out at parties and you tell. <laughs> Do um, you tell them? Most I mean, I remember when... I feel like you, you used to do that, like at parties. You used to tell your most embarrassing stories. I remember my very first embarrassing story. It's imprinted on my brain. It will never go away. I know I was young because I think my head didn't reach the kitchen counter yet, or it barely, like my eyeballs reached the kitchen counter. So I must have been like five. And I must have been picking my nose because my dad said to me, So have you found any treasures in there? <laughs> And I was mortified. I, w- I don't remember why. I mean, I shouldn't have been. I was only five. But I was so mortified by that. I almost get embarrassed thinking about it. <laughs> why? What's embarrassing about it? 
I don't know, being caught doing something that is, you know, not done, I guess. <laughs> Even at five, I must have known that you weren't supposed to pick your nose. I, I just remember that being terribly embarrassing. So I remember I have like a good five or six humiliating stories <laughs> I could list off. No. So everyone's like, please tell another. No, <laughs> no they're not. <laughs> no, I'm sure they don't want to. They don't care. But I think that's something that because I think that that sensation of embarrassment that just kind of tickles your belly. I think that that's so hard to forget that, you know, you want to forget those moments. Maybe that's why you don't forget them. You just think, oh, God, I wish I could forget that. I wish it could just go away because you replay it in your head over and over and over yeah, again. Maybe that's it. I don't know. See, that's that's so interesting because I, I don't feel like that's how my brain works at all. <laughs> <laughs> I actually feel as I get older, the less my brain actually records. Like I feel <laughs> I feel like I have a really great, very sharp memory of a lot of my childhood. And as I get older, the memories are getting less and less implanted or something like that. I don't well, know. We were talking about I don't know if it was about memory in this sense, maybe memory in the sense of remembering facts and remembering history and things like that. You said that you think perhaps older people we think that their memories are, are going, but the truth is they just have so much crammed into their brain yeah. that their brain doesn't hold it. Well, that was a tip that they gave me in NPR Radio 101, <laughs> which is if you're interviewing an old person, you can't say, well, how did you feel when they deported you to the internment camp during World War II to a, a very elderly Japanese woman and expect her to snap the answer in? Not that it wasn't a, a big, huge life event, but so much has happened after that that they have to go back mm -hmm. through the years and try to get to, well, how did I feel when I was 20 years old and they sent me to an internment camp? Because it's not at the tip of your tongue. Well, you lived so much life past that. So then you have to kind of go back and think, put yourself back in that moment. And when you have a lifetime of memories, 90 plus years of memories, it takes a while. And so their advice was always, don't ask a follow-up question, just mm -hmm. sit. And right. wait. And wait for them to come up with it. Yeah. Because the tendency when you're interviewing is, how did you feel? The person doesn't answer. Did you feel scared? Did you see it feel? <laughs> then you're leading the witness. Right. Because you feel like you need to jog their memory or something, but really you just have to give them time mm -hmm. to get to it. Going back to journaling just for a moment, I just remembered. I just had a memory. Uh, <laughs> ooh. I think this happened on a plane. I think that I was sitting next to somebody. I was writing in a journal. And I think this is probably, you know, back when I was in college and I was journaling a lot. And this man who was sitting next to me, who I didn't know and who was probably middle-aged, struck up a conversation with me. Oh, you write in a journal, da, da, da. And he said, I've written a journal for X number of years. And he says, I write every night. I write down exactly what happened during the day. He does what they used to do back in the olden days when paper was kind of scarce, that he would write and he would cross the paper, which means that he would write horizontally and then he would turn the paper and he would write across it the other way vertically so that he could save paper. And he said sometimes his kids will be like, Dad, can you read what we did on my fifth birthday? And he'll go and open the journal and he'll read them what they did that day. And although... I would never have the patience to do that. And when I do sit down in journal, it's not usually to record what I did that day. I still thought that was kind of cool. It is cool. And to, to be able to like access every single day of your life would be kind of cool but scary. Yeah, well, it, it just seems like it would be boring at the time. 
Yeah, definitely. And it would be boring to read from the beginning to the end. But if you wanted to capture a moment, you could go back and yeah. and do that. That would be cool. Well, one of one of my possible historical relatives, Samuel Sewell, which was a judge at the Salem Witch Trials, <clears throat> the only one that apologized for what they'd done, by the way. Yeah, uh, right. You just add that so people don't think. That's what I've been told. <laughs> that's what I've been told. But he was one of those people that wrote down everything. And not just what he did in a day, who he ran into in the streets, what he bought at the store and how much it cost him, oh what God. he drank for lunch, <laughs> these minuscule, de- what he was wearing, all these minuscule details in two diaries, two giant volumes, I should say, that are now published uh, because he was so meticulous about it. It became, not that it was so interesting and riveting, but that it became a historical record one of the most complete historical records of what it was like to live in that time because every detail is there right every brand of every brand of what you're wearing and what everyone looks like who lived where see now today we not in our modern day we're not going to have a need of this because so much of the population records every minus minuscule irrelevant little detail of their lives on facebook well maybe it won't stand out though that will be the problem. His stands out because it's the only record. Right. No, right. I know. It's funny to think that, you know, we've just been talking about writing down what you do. And I think that Facebook, and you've heard me talk about Facebook before, you know, I'm kind of anti-Facebook or I've become anti-Facebook. So I used to love it. But um, Facebook has kind of like become everyone's journal. Things that we used to like keep to ourselves and, and write about in our journal. Now everybody just puts it out there mm-hmm. and it's, I don't know. What does that mean? I don't know what it means, but it's... Why did it appeal to you when you were into it? Well, I mean, for the same reason it appealed to everyone, because you could keep in touch with people, and you could find old flames, and you could show off a little bit about, you know, your amazing vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been gone, and no no one's going to even know about your vacation. They just know you weren't here for a couple episodes. And you know what? That's okay. <laughs> I don't I don't know. This is a, another whole subject, but when I first had the idea to quit Facebook and I hadn't made the full decision, but I had deleted it from my phone and said, "Okay, I'm going to go a week or two without it." And I was having lunch on a Saturday with my husband and we were in this beautiful sunny piazza, gorgeous weather in Rome and unseasonably warm. We were sitting out just having this really relaxing, gorgeous lunch. And my first thought was, I got to take a picture of us. I got to do a selfie and put it on Facebook. And this thought, I mean, it flashed into my head. It wasn't like I thought it out, you know, just this thought, oh, I got to do this and write something like, here we are having lunch in short sleeves in this beautiful piazza. And I thought, why do I want to do this? Do I want to do this because I really want to share with people I love? Or do I want to kind of make people you know, I mean, I hate to say you want to make people jealous because that's a horrible, that's a horrible thing to want to do. But maybe I want to kind of show off a little bit about how, quote unquote, great my life is. And at that moment, I was like, yeah, this isn't healthy. I should be enjoying this day instead of publishing it and showing off. It's so interesting because just a couple days ago, the Pope was in our neighborhood, went right down our street, right into the church that's right around the corner. And we saw him. They had these big screens set up so that if you couldn't get near him you could at least watch him going through the crowd shaking hands and things like this and it was surprising how many people were trying to take a selfie with him you know (laughs) rather than just looking at him or trying to shake his hand 
wanting him to get in for a selfie. And every time they succeeded, I thought, Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. <laughs> or Twitter. If or Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but in, in some way, it's missing the amazing moment, which was that you're surrounded by a crowd of people who are absolutely overjoyed, excited that the Pope is nearby and electrified or grown men getting tears in their eyes. And you're not seeing any of it because you're trying to get this selfie with the Pope. I know. It's almost like you want... I mean, everyone, we, you know, we used to talk about, or we still do, you know, talk about living vicariously through someone else. And there's this idea that your daughter is going to go off and fulfill her dreams and you, because you're so proud of her and you're watching her, are going to live through her. Or it might not be your daughter. It might just be someone that you're friends with on Facebook that's having this great time traveling around the world and you live vicariously through them. What we're doing now is almost like we're living vicariously through other people who are living vicariously through us. Does that make sense? I mean, I don't think it makes sense, but how I said it. But what I mean is instead of enjoying the moment that you're actually living, you get more pleasure by watching other people's reaction to the moment you're living. uh, Yeah, to seeing that moment that you're living. Because it's like you almost get more pleasure. It's almost like third-hand pleasure because what they're seeing is second-hand. So you're seeing it almost third-hand and you're losing the first-hand you're losing all of that and I'm on Twitter so and I'm on Vine so obviously I do it too I'm not just because I gave up Facebook I'm like over it and I'm above it I'm not saying that at all but I just know every time I do it I feel like oh I'm not living this moment I'm documenting it for other people but why why do I care and the fact is those other people don't really care 10 of them do maybe my mom and my sister and my best friends care that's it the rest of these people are just like scrolling past. Oh, yeah, here's Tiffany again talking about the Pope or whatever, you know? <laughs> well, and just wrapping it back into memory before we end, I mean, maybe Facebook, when you deleted Facebook, did you feel like you were deleting all of these memories, no, this archive of your thoughts? I do. I did feel like that. I mean, I, I ha- to be honest, I haven't officially deleted my account. I've deactivated it. There is something holding me back because, yeah, it's it's an archive of my memories and although I did download a copy of it you can just FYI if you're on Facebook and you you're afraid of quitting because you don't want to lose all those memories you can download a copy and everything you've ever written is there but also the photos I took down all my photos before deactivating my account and when you delete a photo you delete all the comments that people have made some of them are stupid but some are like my wedding photos you know I'm taking all my wedding photos down and of course I still have those photos oh, is this a memory? Am I deleting this memory of what this person said? And yeah, it's totally like a little bit unnerving to do that. But I mean, I made that decision because, because, well, you know, I've talked about it, but (laughs) (laughs) because it's definitely not easy. Yeah. Well, we could talk about this for another half an hour, I feel, but we better leave it there. (laughs) We should. We should. Maybe we'll talk about it for another half an hour. Yeah, maybe. But I would definitely say and I'm talking more to myself than to anyone out there, journaling is the best way to really remember the most the most important moments of your life. And listen to the Red Queen. She was very smart. If you don't make a memorandum of it, chances are you won't remember. This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us next week. We welcome your questions and your feedback. Reach the show by emailing bittersweetlife at mail.com. That's bittersweetlife at mail.com.